0: I, it's a quick journey. No. Listen. I've got 40 minutes it says up there. So no, we'll be good. I just I I really feel like I want to talk I I the Lord has been putting on my heart the place of what is living a life of faith look like. And we started this a couple weeks ago and actually kind of did it out of order cuz we were addressing something that was going on in the body um and but I really want to talk to you about risk. Because, you know, one of the most interesting things is like, we say, how do we spell faith, right? And a lot of people will say R-A-S-K, right? But but I, I want to go deeper into that, that just being a saying in our lives and actually say, what does it look like to live the life of faith that we're actually called to live in? You I know, mean, faith is actually supposed to be the natural outworking of the children of God. It's not something that's supposed to be hard. I, You know, growing up in the church, I always thought to myself that having enough faith was going to be hard. Have you ever come from that mindset before? Why? Because we've been taught that it's difficult to have enough faith, when actually faith is very, in in a lot of ways, a simple place of reacting and believing into what God is doing. And and so even tonight, as we were talking about the fire and and this passion that God's putting in us, the result of that is the life of faith. The result of encountering Him is that you believe more. The result of experiencing Him and learning of Him and, and finding Him at every place is that actually you believe more. So I want to encourage you right now you have more faith right now than you did at the beginning of your journey. But that life of faith is to actually take us into His amazing place of risk and, and, and call us into deeper things with Him. And, and so obviously we're heading to Hebrews 11, 6 here that without faith it's impossible to please God, right? But I, I want to lay a little bit of groundwork because the Lord's just been talking to me this week And this is just some truths concerning faith that I want to give you before we talk about how to walk out the life of faith in certain areas. And and the the scripture that's been on my my heart this afternoon is, find out what it is, what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. Let me know that that's a good thing to do. But because it's the same Greek word that's used in Hebrews 11, without faith it's impossible to please God. So I, I begin to look into that and the actual definition for pleases right there because I just want to say this. You are already pleasing to God. If, if our faith was determined, your um, the amount of pleasure the Father has in you, I just want to say that that doesn't match everything else. So what is that scripture saying? The, the, and the word right here for in Ephesians 5.10 is this. Find out what pleases the Lord actually means this. Find out what is full agreement with Him? The word actually means to be in full agreement. So find out how to get into full agreement with the Father. Find out why, because the, the enemy's constantly lying to us and causing us to try not to be in agreement with the very truth about who we are, right? Or the truth about who the Father is. I mean, He is a one trick pony. He came to the garden and he says, hey, you're not who you, who God says you are and God's not who He says He is. And he's been saying the same two lies for all the rest of time. And and if, if we have to understand that the, the place of faith is actually being in a place of agreement with the Father. And so turn with me to Hebrews 11. We've got to read it to make it legal, right? It says then, without faith, It's impossible to please God. So we we know that we're in the the love and the pleasure of God. And obviously, belief in Him is what brings us into the family. So there is that place of pleasure. But also, it means that find out that without faith, it's impossible to be in full agreement with Him. It's impossible that that you, you can't believe one thing and then think something else is going to happen. He's saying, no, faith and belief in Him and risk will what will be what causes you to walk in the fullness of agreement with the Father. Everybody quiet, right? Hang in there. We're going to go there. See, so it, it says this in the second half of the verse says, because anyone who comes to Him believe, must believe that He exists. I think all of us in here believe He, he exists, Yes? And then the key, the second part is that he is a reward, he rewards those or is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. So see, our, our faith and our risk is to actually believe the opposite of what the enemy is declaring. Is that our father is a rewarder. Our father, if we're in full belief and, and full agreement with him, that we're going to see everything he's called us to see. Everything He promises. See, the book is full of promises. And we've had people challenge those promises over and over because they haven't been in full agreement that the Father actually wants to give them those promises. And so, see, the manifestation of this place is actually believing that we're going to walk in full full agreement with Him. And I wrote this down. Faith allows us full access to our birthright. Faith allows you to walk in the fullness of being a child of God. See, we're never going to get past preaching this moment. Because the being a child of God is what actually allows you access to everything you need. You're a co-heir with Jesus. Everything that the world is in need of is coursing in you. How do we access that? It's faith. It's living a life of faith. And and tonight, I want to talk to you about living a life of faith. How to flourish in faith and risk in times of challenge. Because it's one thing in here when God's presence is all around and everybody's in unity. and, 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 And man, it just feels like the kiss of heaven is in here. And you're full of faith, right? But what's it look like? When your when your world seems like it's crumbling around you and then you turn on the news and that doesn't help. And and then you get a call from from someone and, and they're they're sick and dying and, and they're believing and it's and they're not seeing it and all of a sudden challenges to the very truth begin to happen. Have you ever had challenges? I know they they are not the truth. And we have built our lives on challenges when God's saying, no, you actually have to build on the truth and the challenges will begin to come in. But how do we flourish as God's children and risk in that place to believe when we don't feel like it? Because I'll just tell you, for me, the most fruit I see in my life is when I believed when nothing else lined up with it. And I just say, God, this is who you say you are, and I believe it. And, and I don't even feel like believing it, but I know as a child of God, and then the Spirit of God gets in there and begins to say, yes, that's who I am. I mean, He wants to help us. He is helping us. and But we have to learn how to flourish in moments of challenge, or we'll be a people who live in, in constant disappointment. Can I just say this? That challenge Jesus told us challenges were coming. He used the word persecution. And, and there's other words like hardship, hard pressed, you know, pursued. All those words, they all have one thing in common. They are meant to be places where your faith gets to override what's going on in the natural. And so we begin to see that. And, and and let me just read one to you. This is just an example, and then we're going to get into some. But in, we all know this one, right? Romans eight 35. We're going to get into some good verses tonight. I hope you're excited for some good scripture that's alive and active. It says, who, who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword... What shall separate us? See, the plan of the enemy is that challenges are trying to separate you from the love of God. Right? Trying to separate you from the truth that you have a loving, rewarding Father. And when I am in full agreement with Him, all things are accessible. So the challenge that is in my life is smaller than the truth that's in me. And God is saying here, listen. The goal of the enemy is to separate you from the love of God. The goal of the enemy is to separate truth in your life. And how is he going to try to do it? In hardship, in persecution, in, in, in separation, all those things. But listen, the answer to that is nothing will separate us, right? Isn't that what it says? Nothing can separate. None of these. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Isn't it interesting that we're conquerors in the truth that He loves us? But it what's the missing, what's the equal sign in between there? That you have to have faith to believe that He is the one who loves us, and then all of a sudden we become more than conquerors. And so we begin to see that and understand that. And, and so I just want to talk about three places where different Different challenges are mentioned, and how we can risk in the life of faith to overcome. All right, y'all with me? And let me just jump back one second. Isn't it interesting that the word separate, what shall separate it is it actually means to not be in agreement. So it's trying to separate us from being in agreement with what God has for us, what His plan is. And if you really dig down in most of your challenges, I would even say 100% of them, the truth is they're trying to challenge the agreement of truth in your life. The agreement of who the Father is. The agreement of His goodness. The agreement of His love. The agreement of joy. So here we go. The first word, and, and it's all of these words this is the verse that kind of launched it in for me because I was looking in a, and the word the first word I want to talk about is the word "hardship." It's used many times in the in the New Testament. A lot of times Paul's talking about it because that guy endured some hardship, didn't he? but the the word actually means the narrowing of a room or pressure or tension. How many of you find? That when you're in a challenging place, that one of the things that begins to happen is you begin to feel a tremendous amount of pressure. Pressure to 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 get out of here. Pressure to to do something different. Pressure that that to to believe maybe that God isn't for me. To the pressure that begins to come, and it actually is the word for claustrophobic, where it means to be the, the room begins to narrow down and shrink. I that claustrophobia is a lie. It actually isn't happening. It's not, it's, it's a fear. And the enemy is trying to use the hardship to actually cause us, cause us to close down. And the pressure actually, it God intends for the pressure to actually be used for His glory. Now, I just want to say this, that God doesn't cause the pressure. Because that would be an abusive father. And if you disagree with me, that's okay. But I, I just don't believe that God, I just believe that God is so big and so good that he can use every plan of the enemy to actually make me better. And so when the enemy tries to come and narrow me down and put all this pressure on me and just lie and, and begin to put hardship on my life, God's saying, "Oh, look, we're going to turn that into beauty. We're going to turn that into good. They're going to walk out of this, and the next time the enemy comes and tries to do that, they have a testimony against that. And we begin to understand. So, so what is the risk in this? Well, I actually have two for this one because I couldn't decide. And, and so you can turn with me to 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10. Well, the first risk is this is to believe. That He is strong in our weakness, in our hardship, in the heat that to believe, to actually believe it. See, because we have to understand that, that God is not expecting perfection. He's just creating it in us. I want to say that again. God is not expecting your perfection. He's just creating you to be Perfect. Everything the enemy tries to throw at you is actually God, it it then becomes part of God's plan to make you perfect. And so we begin to understand that, but, but the enemy, what's he do? He comes and in this place of hardship and pressure and tension, he begins to accuse us in our weakness, right? He begins to come and he begins to say, look at your weakness and the risk is actually to believe that God wants to be strong in our weakness. Now, I also believe this, that he actually wants to transform our weakness too. But that's not what I'm preaching on tonight. The end result of finding strength in your weakness is always transformation of that weakness. But if you won't let strength into that place, if you won't let the virtue of God, if you won't risk to say, I believe you can be strong here, you can be 20 years down the road and still living in the same weakness. One of my massive disillusions with the church growing up is how come people aren't set free that have been walking with the Lord for 20 and 30 years? And I believe it actually is because they were not willing to risk to live the life of faith to believe that God could actually be strong in their weakness. A place where it just says, Here I am God, this place, it's weak in me. I don't even. you don't even have to know where it comes from. We live in such a generation of self-evaluation. Stop. Don't try to figure out where your weakness is from and where it came from and this grandpa did this. and that. Just give him your weakness and say, come be strong here. And in that place of risk and faith, you come into a place of amazing agreement with the Father that says, oh, look at that. Yeah, that pleases me because you're in full agreement that I'll come there and you begin to actually walk in the fullness of who God has for you. See, the result of faith is fullness. And we begin to see that place. But let me just give you a key to believing that he's strong in our weakness. You have to believe in the word of the Lord. And I, I, I have to say this, I could not get over this. The whole time I was studying about the narrow place, the scripture kept being in my heart about that he has brought us into a spacious place. And it's interesting that the word of the Lord is an exact answer to the place of hardship in your life. The word of the Lord is, hey, the enemy's going to come and put pressure and narrow the room down and says, oh, Deb, I've brought you to a spacious place. Now what's it take to get there? Faith to believe that He's actually going to be my strength in that place of weakness and take me into a spacious place. So that's the first risk. Here, let's just read 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. These are super famous verses, but we've got to live them, right? Memorization does us no good if we don't live them. And everybody always gets offended when I say that. But he said to me, My grace, this is Jesus talking to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And this is the verse where I really want to hang in there. It says, That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, and in hardship, and persecution, and difficulties. For when I am weak, Then I'm made strong. So the second risk is this that you you have to delight in your weaknesses. Now, let me just talk about a lot of terrible preaching that's happened in this. Is that it doesn't say glory in your weaknesses, it doesn't say stay in your weaknesses so that you can be strong. The word delight in your weaknesses actually means right there to have the correct view or understanding of what's going on. It doesn't mean that we get to glory and find our identity and our weaknesses. It actually begins to mean you have the correct view that this is a place God is going to be glorified in my life. This is a place where strength is going to come and I'm made strong. This is a place where the glory of God, where the enemy meant to destroy me, but now it's going to be a place of strength and victory in my life. See, it's, it's not delighting in it like, oh, well, I've got all these weaknesses and it makes God look really good when people see the grace of God on my life. That's garbage. That's not the gospel. Because He's dealt with our weaknesses. It's, his name is Jesus. But it requires us to have complete, it, a full understanding of this place of brokenness, this place of pain, is going to be a place of glory for heaven. But it's a risk to believe that. Why? Because the enemy has magnified our weaknesses. He's magnified them in our own eyes. And put them in our face. And said, this is what's going on. That's never going to be a strength. And it takes a risk to believe That I'm going to delight in those weaknesses. It's a risk to expect strength when you have none. It's a risk. It's faith to say, Well, I know I failed many times, but this is going to be a place of strength in my life. That's faith. Heaven stands up and says, Man, look at that. They're in full agreement with the Father and the plan for their life. Ooh, that's good preaching. Number two, hardship was the first one. The second one is hard-pressed. And the Greek word for hard-pressed, Paul uses it like six times. like, man, we're hard-pressed. It means to be pressed like grapes. Like, man, I'm being crushed. I feel like all my dreams are being crushed. I feel like everything I try to do is under all this scrutiny and pressure and being pushed down. I love it that God knew the plan of the enemy, and told us how to overcome it. Why? Because, I mean, I I could go on for hours. I've been just studying this place. It says, to those who have overcome, the goal and the role of God's children is to overcome. And we've so taught on hardship and pressure and trials like they are our destiny when actually overcoming is our destiny. And so we begin to look at this and we have to understand That there's challenges to the deposit inside of you, and the enemy wants to crush you and push you down so you don't believe of the deposit that's in you. 2 Corinthians 4, 8. i got to read 7 because I love it. But we have this treasure. What treasure? What's the treasure? It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the kingdom. It's a treasure in this jar of clay to show that all surpassing power is from God, not from us. Then, then it's interesting, he takes a right turn. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. What's he saying? The goal of the enemy is to stop the deposit that's in us. The goal of the enemy is to hide the deposit that's in us. I want to say that you are jars of clay filled with the greatest treasure on earth. And what's the enemy trying to do? Crush you. But here's what it says there you're crushed, hard pressed, but not crushed. He says you won't be crushed if you understand that the deposit in you, what's the risk? I went a little bit different direction with this one, but I really felt like this is what the Holy Spirit told me. The risk is to give life even in the pressure. The risk, the faith, is to not wait for utopia to then be a giver of life. When everything around me is perfect, I have the magic $5,000 in my bank account, my children are healthy, My car is good. My lawn is mowing itself. When everything is happy. Why? Because utopia is a lie. Spiritual utopia is a lie. On earth. In heaven. And we're supposed to be bringing heaven to earth. So what does that mean? It means overcoming the places that aren't utopia and still giving life. The glory of being one of his saints on earth is that you get to give out life when the enemy is pressing on you. And it takes a risk. Why? Because it takes, got to go more than feelings, got to go more than your history, got to go more than the circumstances. It takes a risk to believe in him. See, if we read on down in Corinthians verse 11, it says this for we, who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. I love so that. So that His life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. What's He saying? He's saying that if you'll give out, there will be people that get the treasure that would never have given out, that would never have received the treasure if you let hardship and being pressed on Dictate how much you give. What am I saying? The walk of faith is greater than your circumstance. Will you risk to believe that? 100% of my counseling is showing people the truth of who they are. So that they can believe. Because I can't fix their circumstances. How many of you have tried to do that? How'd that go? Poorly, right? You did all right for a little while, maybe. Then you ran out of steam, right? Because you can't change people's circumstances. Only heaven can. And the way that God is saying is, I need you to risk to do it in the midst of the storm. Last one. Because Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted, right? I've really struggled with persecution in a lot of ways because I'm like, man, I, I just feel like we're more than overcomers. And, and the Lord said, yeah, you're overcoming persecution. And, and the, the word right there for persecution doesn't mean beat. Doesn't mean spit on. You know what it actually means? It means to be pursued. And the and the and what the Greek word is really saying, he's trying to make us run. What's he trying to make us run from? The truth. To be pursued. How many of you ever felt like you're just being pursued at every turn? Man, you're like. Whoa! we got a little momentum and then being pursued, right? It's persecution. Who brings persecution? The enemy. This is not a difficult test. Persecution is not from people. Because the Scripture tells me to love my enemies, so then I have to realize that they're not the ones persecuting me. It's actually the enemy. And we begin to understand that. Then we begin to realize that, oh, I'm right in the middle of the life of faith. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Right? Why is he saying that? Because it's going to require you to, to release faith, what puts you right in the depth of the pleasure of God. If you're not having to have faith, then you're not living in full extent of being understanding his pleasure. Not that you don't are earning it. You just begin to recognize His pleasure as you get closer to Him. So we begin to see that. So I got 10 minutes. So what's the risk? The risk is to stand when you don't feel like it. The risk is when you are being pursued and you feel like running. How many of you ever felt like running? Man, I had a strange fear hit me the other day. I'm just going to be honest. And I began to think, well, I wonder if we need to do something else. I, that's super rare for me. Like, I've never. Right? And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? And I realized it was persecution of the enemy. And, and I just had to choose. Like, that's ridiculous. I choose to stand. But I didn't just choose to stand. I realized that sometimes there's another risk in it. Because a lot of what I've talked about is very internal, yes? Understanding, believing, recognizing. But sometimes there's a risk in receiving strength from others. There's a risk to say, this is how I'm feeling, and I don't like it, and I'm going to humble myself and go to someone and receive some strength. And so there's two risks here. The first risk is to stand when the enemy is telling you to run. But the other risk is one of the ways that God does that is through God's people. And God wouldn't let me let this go because I, I, was, I was like, well, i got a lot of things to say. And He was like, no, you're going to talk about understanding that it's a risk to live with people. It's a risk to believe that, that the person sitting next to you could actually strengthen you. It's a risk to show your weakness it's a risk to tell the, the pressure. And let me just end with this verse. I've been reading first and second Thessalonians a lot. So forgive me over the next few weeks. There's going to be a lot of Thessalonian scriptures. How many like Thessalonians? First and second. The rest of you keep reading them. They're awesome. It says, We sent Timothy, this is first Thessalonians three, two, who is our brother and God's fellow worker. In spreading the gospel of Christ. To strengthen and encourage you. And that's where I first stopped Because I thought to myself. Yeah, that's what he's doing. In your faith. What's he encouraging them in? In their life of faith. In the full agreement of who God says they are. And what he's releasing into them. They were needing to be strengthened and encouraged in their faith. And he didn't just say, hey, be strengthened and encouraged. He sent Timothy and he said, hey, the deposit in him is going to do something in you. I'm going to read the rest because I, I love it. So that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we are destined for them. What? Hardship, hard pressed, persecuted. We're destined for them. Why? Because the enemy hates you. So the better answer is how do we get through them? How do we flourish in them, right? In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted and it turned out that way, as you well know. Paul is like, he's like rubbing it in. I told you and it happened. I was right. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your what? He didn't send to find out about the trials. About their faith. And I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. What's the tempter trying to do to keep you from living the life of faith? He's trying to tempt you to not take the risk when it takes risk to fall right into the rewarder and say, I believe you're a rewarder. Even if I don't see it, I'm going to fall right into you. Bill Johnson used to use the phrase all the time, And he still does, but less now. I just leaned right into God. And one day I said, God, I just leaned into you. He said, I need you to fall right into me. Because that area is not going to be enough about leaning. I need you to fall right into who I am. And so, why all this talk? Because God has intended us to flourish in the pressure. He's intended us to flourish in persecution and hardship and hard times. And it's going to take risk which is the life of faith. How do we spell the life of faith? R-A-S-K. It's going to cause you to risk. See, because I don't, I don't want risk just to be reckless, crazy deeds. And next, next time I talk, I'm actually going to give you some things about risk that actually begin to determine, am I living a life of risk? But I want to encourage you tonight. So let's just stand up. I want to say, we had a lot of miracles in here tonight. If you're you're here and you're just still wondering about that time where we just stopped everything and did something else, I just encourage you to take it home as a deposit and let the fire begin to stir in you. Why? Because it's fire that will lead us to risk. He's not just saying, be obedient and risk. He's saying, no, there's, there's things that I'm doing in you that will allow you to risk. So... Here's what we're going to do. If some of you, if if you're in here right now and you just say, man, I am in trials and persecution and hard-pressed, and that's me, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Huh? Sure. I don't know how you can risk for them, but I know you can believe for them. You bet. And I just want to encourage you right now to recognize that place and i want you to fall right into the rewarder so we just we say jesus father holy spirit we trust you we believe in you and we lean we fall right into you right now and we just say that we are we are all in on you and we believe you're going to be strong in our weakness god we believe that you're going to that we're going to pour out even when we don't feel like it. We believe, God, that we're going to allow others to come into our lives to strengthen us. So we love you tonight. We just say that you are easy to believe in. It's not hard. We're not in some weird, hard thing of trying to find you and see you. We say when we, when we look, we see the goodness of who you are. And we, we want to give you our faith tonight. We want to give you our risk. We just, we we give you everything in our lives and we just say you're worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys.